Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Hey Podswoggle fans, it's your host Mullet here, giving you a heads up on what you're listening to today and what you're going to be listening to over the next couple weeks. If you've been listening to Podswoggle over the past seven years, you know normally after a WrestleMania Pick'em podcast and immediately after WrestleMania itself, the squad gets together and gives our immediate thoughts on the biggest show of the year. This year, the squad was live at Camping World Stadium for WrestleMania. We're also live for six other wrestling shows over the weekend. We're thoroughly exhausted from a seven-hour show, having travel difficulties and all kinds of other calamities happen. So we did not get a chance to record our post-mania thoughts out of exhaustion and poor planning. We also have not had a chance to record since the craziness that was Raw and SmackDown. And, of course, we have a superstar shakeup coming up in just a couple days. So we took the, the liberty of deciding to postpone our current wrestling thoughts. And we're going to release them all. NXT, WrestleMania, Raw, SmackDown, Rostrum, everything will be next week, next Friday's show. We're going to be recording it immediately after um, SmackDown this upcoming week. Uh, after that, we will be recording our thoughts on the independent shows progress shakara rev pro wrestlecon super show evolve everything else we saw um, over the course of several days that we did record in orlando wrestlemania weekend that'll be the following week but because you guys are so good because we want to make sure you get the best content possible we've heard the requests and we did manage to squeeze one in it was what we have in the bank and what we have ready for you today here is an original drunk history recorded just last week, WrestleMania weekend. We hope you enjoy. If you're looking forward to WrestleMania thoughts, make sure to check us out next week. But for now, let's take it away to this week's podcast. Welcome to Podswoggle, a wrestling podcast with entertainment. Uh, what did Augie just share with us? He's here. <laughs> if he's, if if he's... no no no, he just sent us a ways link saying he's a no. I'm not even gonna fucking repeat this. What? Say it. How uh, far is he? He's like 15 minutes, isn't he? Augie A shared a drive with you to Blue Night Lane, Windermere, arriving at 3:42 a.m. How did he get pulled over? I mean. Yes, but that still doesn't mean he had to be here this late. God. All right. Jesus Christ, Augie. You couldn't be any more late if you were black. Well, no, he's on Cuban people time, which is the South Florida equivalent. All right. Can we break down who is the latest gender in race? Let's. <laughs> this is appropriate, right? Like, it's a free-flowing conversation. Uh, n- not between us. Why? We're three white males who are always punctual. Let's break this down. <laughs> This this is the perfect group. Yeah. We are the barometer. Exactly. Uh, we are the barometer. Yeah. We I went to an I, Applebee's today and rushed through appetizers and we're still perfectly on time for a wrestling show. I want I want that to be uh, a wrestling stable, the barometer. The barometer. <laughs> All right. Nice weatherman stable we got here. 
Welcome to Pod Talk, a wrestling podcast with entertainment. Uh, if it's me opening up the show, you know it's a classic. That was gold. Why are you not using that? What? What we just talked about. That was gold. It's recording. I know. So you use, you use it appropriately. I will. Uh, this is your host for tonight, Rich. Uh, you heard Mullet over there, and we also have Spencer here on this luxurious inflatable bed. I can't confirm or deny that my parents had sex on this in the past two and a half years. I'm probably going to say they didn't. Would you tell me? I hope. Ooh. I don't know. My dad is using the internet now, so <laughs> God knows what he got up to. Spencer, feel free to get a little closer so you can have more access to the mic, but also whatever you want to do. Just project, um, really, is what it's going to be. All right. Mullet, I'm going to need you to take a long, good swig off that beer before I give you. Can I just say, like, it's been a very long time since, like, we've done this. It has. Done this. I, since, since the last time, like, we've really done this, I've had a child. Uh, I've had. Is now really the time to. Do I almost, this? like, made up a disease I had. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> I had a thyroid issue. I had Skandar Akbar's disease. <laughs> I met Colonel De Beers. <laughs> And he passed along some of his wisdom, and I feel like that's just a disease. <laughs> oh, because you didn't want to know that, and now you're diseased. Oh, knowing can it. the drunk history please be about Colonel De Beers? <laughs> we can. The diamond maker? No, no, no. Colonel De Beers was. I'm just, right. Here's a brief one. This is a little warm up. This is a warm up. Colonel De Beers was like a South African wrestler that was a part of like GWF and like USWA AWA. and AWA, like the late eighties, early nineties. He was like like the most racist fucking like like. Literally was like apartheid, two thumbs up. <laughs> he was a Siskel and Ebert of apartheid. <laughs> That's what he fucking was. He's just a fucking South African dude with a mustache. And at one point they got desperate and tried to turn him baby face. And he was like, "Hey, black still- friends, come join me." And uh, for Pot Slam two years ago, I got like a Colonel De Beers eight by ten. And Rich so eloquently put it, like, as he saw the 8, the eight by 10 it's just Colonel De Beers, like, down a fucking locker room hallway. They're like, hey, Colonel De Beers, yeah? Smile! He doesn't. <laughs> they take the picture, and that's the 8 by 10 So next year for Pod Slam, uh, I'm literally going to buy, like, 20 Colonel De Beers 8 by 10s <laughs> I meant to do it this year, and I just fucking forgot. So. Uh, Pod Slam 3. Pod Slam 3. Everybody that walks in the door gets a Colonel De Beers 8 by 10 What happened to Colonel De Beers? Uh, he is the president of the United States of America. <laughs> a lot has so happened. For now. For now. now. Depending on the By the time this airs. My ears just pop. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, tonight, your drunk history topic. Mala, if you could please regale us with the history of ECW. Oh, I was going to say three. <laughs> I don't know. He was born in 88. Well, Derek Bateman is weird. No. Uh, ECW. Wow. ECW. Okay. I was not expecting that. Okay, shit. I, I'm always like, I feel pressure at this very moment. Yeah, this is always the time. This is always the moment. And then you yeah. break through this moment, and, and then it's like a, like a fucking downhill slope, man. Exactly. So Paul Heyman killed Todd Gordon's grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> With his bared little Jew hands. Okay. All right. All right. Hard part's over. Now it's downhill. <laughs> oh, there's that headache. I, remember that headache? I was like, Zack Sabre Jr. cured? Back. 
mean sit Indian style. Let me sit Tatanka style. All right. <sighs> Crisscross Tatanka style. Uh, so I, I don't know. What, like, so what, what year? What year do you want to start I'm gonna, in? I'm going to start in like 92, 93. Wrestling business is a fucking disaster. It's a mess. Is that your beer? It is. I'm, I'm eventually going to make my way back up there to grab that. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, WCW is oh, fucking kind of money. WWF is on the downside. Steroids. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Independent wrestling promotions are like uh, exist. They're around. They happen. Um, there's one in the Pennsylvania area called Eastern Championship Wrestling, run by Todd Gordon. I think he had like a laundromat. Like honestly, like I don't know like how Todd Gordon like druthered up money. That's wrong. I meant to say gathered, but I, yeah, like he squandered enough. He squandered enough money to like convince Don Morocco to show up at the same place twenty four times a year. <laughs> they just. <laughs> Todd Gordon literally sneezed once, like around some pot- powdered sugar. Morocco thought it was Coke, and that's how the first year's ECW happened. Um, so, like, I think they were a part of like, NWA, the, right? the NWA. Like, still was a thing. Yeah, it still like was like an entity. As but much as it had like a bank account. Well, around that time, like WCW was like still involved, but they had, like the big gold belt and like the international title it was a whole fucking disaster. Yeah. Um. But really, ECW starts because it was a, a regional indie promotion. Yeah, where like literally, like Jimmy Snuka. I think the first ECW champion is Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Which, if you consider once it becomes Extreme Championship Wrestling, it's perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect fit. It's exactly. It's exactly perfect because New Jack, you know, he had just fought homicides. Was he charged? No, Snuka was. So there we go. It took a while, but we got there. Um, so it was like, and then so like, how does how does like Paul Heyman come into the fold? So, so Todd Paul, Gordon's like, so Paul Heyman <laughs> and expense reports are like Sinead O'Connor and fucking Vidal Sassoon commercials, and that like they don't fucking gel together. So he hated. <laughs> she's bald. She's bald. Yeah, yes, you're catching up to drunk historyness. You, you remember how I was Mauro Manello at the show earlier? Ignore all of that and expect me to say shitty fucking analogies. I once compared Sting to Pink. Um, so Todd Gordon's like running his Todd Gordon's thing. running his thing. Paul Heyman has a falling out with the management of WCW. Bill, yeah. Bill Watts joins the company. Yeah. And Bill Watts is like, I want my wrestlers to fucking take bumps on concrete. Mm-hmm. And then the fuck rats named Tiffany. And Paul Heyman's like, because that's what's going to keep the business keep alive. Keep the business alive. If you jump off the top rope, you better fuck a fourteen-year-old in the ass tonight. <laughs> no, fourteen-year-old man, man, it's fine. It's okay. That doesn't matter. Anyway, anyway, uh, so Paul Heyman gets fired from WCW for uh, forging expense reports. Tell me that's not the most perfect sentence you've ever heard in the wrestling business. The Paul Heyman thing. Um, but Paul Heyman has amazing connections to amazing lawyers in New York, and he's Jewish, <laughs> so he gets like an amazing settlement, like an amazing settlement, and like he wins his case, wrong for termination, all this bullshit. <clears throat> he invests all his money in ooh, that chili dog number one. 
Um, he, 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 is that, is that the Chili dog number one. Chili dog number one. Uh, I just look at them as a, as a tag team called the Chili Dogs. <laughs> we're, we're in talks with Marianne Cotard to be our spokesperson. Um, so he's friends with Eddie Gilbert. Your microphone Eddie was. Gilbert. And sorry, Eddie Gilbert at the time is a part of ECW. Mm-hmm. Um, hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Hot stuff. He's burned every bridge. <laughs> That's why his name is Hot Stuff. <laughs> if he was cordial with everybody, he'd be like, "Cool guy, Eddie Gilbert." But no, he's Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Um. <laughs> So he's like, oh, he's got a great wrestling mind. Everyone knew Heyman was like the best fucking manager and like future thinker. Yeah. So Todd Gordon brought him on board and Heyman like prescribes the wrestling business in 93 is like the music scene at the time, like hair metal bands, like fucking Poison and White Snake were like killing the rest, were killing the wrestling business because everybody <laughs> wanted to look like them and fuck yeah. the strippers. Uh, but in the music business, they fucking were destroying everything and then nirvana and grunge came along and changed everything so he's like that needs to happen with wrestling yeah so he started to take a active approach in ecw and brought along like shane douglas who like had been fucked in every turn as being like in the like an an original kind of like voice and wrestler in wcw who like didn't have a place brought him in brought terry funk because terry funk was old and wanted to still work um got sabu from japan 1993 Terry Funk was old. Terry Funk was ninety four years old in nineteen ninety three, um, <laughs> and Sabu came from. Sabu came from. He was in FMW. He was Sabu legitimately for like five years was the best wrestler in the world. Like legitimate, like he was fucking insane. Like everything you see on television, Sabu has a hand in, except like Enzo Amore. Like you can't pinpoint. Sabu and like you can't make a correlation between the two. Well, like, Sabu's s- never bought shoes. No, no, and he's never had a cup of haters. <laughs> um, so Heyman comes along. It's like we need to fucking change wrestling. We need to figure out like what is new. So he starts just like like booking different talent. One of his main things he started was um, or one of the main like the first talents, and a lot of this is off of the rise and fall of ECW DVD. Yeah. So all this is repeating what Heyman said. So all this podcast is a lie, because um, this is basically reusing Paul Heyman's words. Was he booked like the Public Enemy for the first time? So it's two nothing wrestlers, it's two fat white guys that have like the rhythm of monkeys fucking at a Taco Bell, and he makes them like a rap crew called the Public Enemy, and they like wave your hands in the air and they go through fucking tables, and the crowd fucking loved them. They're still booking, like, fucking Tito Santana and, like, all this stuff. But, like, they're starting to make fucking movements and waves to change everything. The Sandman's still a surfer. Think about that. Oh, Sandman. I get it. The Sandman. Oh. (laughs) Holy shit. Can't see me, but I've been Macaulay Culkin for the past forty-five seconds. Wow! How how are the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer never a tag team? Oh wow! Wow! So was ECW the worst promotion of all time? Absolutely. End of podcast. <laughs> Patreon for the real shit. Um, <laughs> I think literally. All right, so. <laughs> The Sandman used to come out to like fucking surf in USA. Yeah. Like think of the Sandman. Yo. 
Brian Wilson. Ow. I'm going to lay in bed for three fucking years. Um, so Heyman starts booking like realistic. Like he like starts making Sabu like what what was out, like 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 strapped to a gurney with like a Hannibal Lecter mask, like increasing the character aspects of everybody. What was the what was like the was Sabu like the first one of Sabu just, was like, the biggest one. Oh, that's crazy. Sabu was the biggest one because Sabu literally would like would come out like have his match. Yeah, and like after the match, like win or lose, would just put a table in the ring and just jump through it. Burr. Sabu Sabu once almost got me pussy in high school. Um, Wait, what? So, you were substitute teaching. And <laughs> he did your real exactly, solid. Yeah. No, there was. Oh man, fuck. All right, there was a girl in. Uh, <laughs> so, in high school, I tr- in high school I tried to like get beyond like Andrew and our normal group of friends like into wrestling. And the Rise and Fall ECW DVD came out, and it's like this is like the fucking coolest shit. You have to watch this. So I showed Keaton, my one of my best friends in here, about Keaton, the ECW DVD, and he fell in love with Sabu. And he wanted Sabu to Hurricane Rana anything in the world. So much so that I went to a Raw Live and had a sign that said, Tell Sabu to Hurricane Rana a bear. And I had I was like kind of seeing a girl at the time. What's going on, Amanda Sapko? How you doing? She's pregnant now. Congratulations. Uh there's nice thoughts. I'm gonna let yeah. I'm gonna wish people no nice thoughts. No one's judging you. She also loves Sabu. And she just like liked to watch him do things. So, you know. I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. <laughs> he was the first one. That, so like, he was like the first one that like Heyman started to. So what's the what's Heyman's role in the company at this point? He's the Booker. Mm-hmm. He's managing nine one one, who is uh, every truck stop bathroom attendant. How many truck stops are you going to first of all the same one and how many have actual bathroom attendants just this one guy <laughs> he started doing like counterculture things where like he had 911 who came out and he was like basically like the pc police almost where like he would come out and like let's say they booked like the bushwhackers because like they had a free weekend off because vince was like kind of already starting to support them but like that early i think also like they what had year the, are we in right now like 93 94 still wow or they really put guys in between, like, their fucking gig. Like, Matt Bourne as Doink. Sure. They booked Doink at the ECW Arena. And Philadelphia, Philadelphia as a city, is, like, the fucking shithole of opinion. They've booed Santa Claus, like, for the past 50 years. But they're a very hard crowd to get over with. So, like, you bring Doink the Clown in to a hardcore wrestling crowd, they're going to fucking revolt against him. So, like, we bring 911 out as this guy couldn't work a fucking lick, had a fucking wet-ass mullet and a fucking biker vest, and he just chokeslammed the fucking guy, and the people went crazy. And Heyman would rally against it, be like, this is everything that's wrestling right now. We're fucking ECW. We're killing it right now. So he would make characters like that that would basically fight against what you saw everywhere else. So Sabu was one. 911 was one of them. Um, Public Enemy. Um... And then he would start booking like realistic angles, like the fucking Sandman being blind because Tommy Dreamer, who Tommy Dreamer used to look like Jeff Jarrett's nurse, uh, with like suspenders. Think of Tommy Dreamer now. Yeah, the the idea behind Tommy Dreamer for Spencer was that he was a dreamy guy. He was supposed to be a heartthrob. I was once confused for Tommy Dreamer at a gas station. Why, like an dreamy is the seventy fourth worst word you can come up for me. <laughs> 
I haven't been dreamy since I was three. Um, so he started booking like realistic angles, and the crowd, the the Philadelphia crowd started eating it out of mm-hmm. the fucking palm of his hands, and they started to build momentum. Nineteen ninety four. Um, the first, like the biggest thing they did, the two biggest things they did was they had like whatever their first like mo- like huge show was. They were the first company to bo- book a triple threat. They did Ooh. Terry Funk, Shane Douglas, and Sabu in an hour draw triple threat match. Damn. And it was like only in like regional television, and it was like a huge deal. And Joey Styles still was commentating by himself. When did, um, when did Styles start with the company? Basically, like early on, like he was already doing it when Todd Gordon was there. Huh. He was literally just like a fucking CPA that on the weekends would come and like do fucking commentary. He had to be like twenty something years old. Joey Styles has been twenty eight years old for thirty years. <laughs> um, so they like that got buzzed because it's Terry Funk. Yeah, it's fucking Shane, it's Sabu who's like on the internet becoming like a fucking icon, and it's Shane Douglas who people just tolerate. Um. The second thing was ECW had that NWA connection. Yeah. So as they started to break out, they did the NWA title tournament. And they had a connect they had like a agreement that Shane Douglas was going to be the NWA champion and he was going to like revitalize the NWA. He was going to go to all the territories and all the shit. Paul Heyman was like, that is everything that's not ECW. ECW is not territories. ECW is Renegade, Renegade, grunge. everything that's different. So that's go- also what's going to be the fucking death of any of. They this. originally they wanted Benoit to win the tournament um, because Benoit was like doing everything, and they didn't have an agreement with Benoit yet through ECW. So he's like, "Well, no, we can't do that." And Heyman eventually like would have wanted it. Um, but man, Benoit would have killed that promo. Benoit. Mm. Oh, I didn't even mean that. I just meant like <laughs> Benoit's a bad promo. <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, so yeah, so they, Douglas like wins a tournament. Um, from Scorpio and his dick. I had to pin both of them separately. And, um... Uh, what do they call him? Two Cold Scorpio? No, it should have been more like 12 Cold Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Foley was unstretchered out of a building and saw how big Scorpio's dick was through his tights. As Scorpio was, like, helping him out of the building. I think it was when he lost his ear. And Foley's like, I don't have an ear, but you have a big dick. Um, Can we graft some skin? <laughs> It looks like you have to spare. Yeah, you can spare three inches. Oh, no, nine. I think you'll be all right. Um, so, Douglas. Oh, fuck. This is going to be one of those moments where like, I have to like redo the promo, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs> I mean, if you want. Douglas wins tournament. And then it gets the title. And he's like, uh, this bell, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's for the Harley races and the, and the, uh, the Ric Flairs, which he pauses on. He hates Ric Flair um, so much. For the Rick Steamboats and everybody. Oh, this is it tonight, Dad. Because Dad's dead. Because it's almost St. Douglas. And <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, there's an NWA title. It's amazing. And this whole lineage. And they can all kiss my ass. He throws the title down. And he proclaims the ECW title is the world heavyweight title. It's the only thing that matters in the wrestling world. And hat guys in the front row with a stupid Hawaiian shirt <laughs> going crazy. Dennis Corluza, who was like the main guy from the NBA, is in the front row. He looks like uh, the fucking Brainiac character from the Green Lantern comics. Uh, who was the name of that character? You know who I'm talking about? Have you seen the Green Lantern movie? What? There's a Green Lantern movie? Yeah, with Brian Reynolds. It was a very famous failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. <laughs> Brian Reynolds? Yeah, Brian Reynolds. Good friend of mine. Um, 
Peter Sarsgaard played like some guy whose head like expands. That's yeah. Dennis Corluza. Okay. I feel bad because I think he actually died of a brain tumor. So oh. he, <laughs> I think that's just happenstance. He had a giant head. <laughs> But like, like no one, like no one told him that this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna literally throw the NWA title that's been around for a hundred years on the fucking ground and piss all over it, which is basically what they did. Yeah. And then from that, they decided that we're not. And that East. was Heyman's call. Yeah, it was Heyman's call. And instead of Eastern Championship Wrestling, we're now Extreme Championship Wrestling. We are counterculture. We are hardcore. Uh, they just gave Douglas the title, and everyone makes fun of Triple H. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And they became, and they already had, like, they just gotten Cactus Jack because yeah. he was tired of WCW and wanted out. And they started building all these incredible characters and stories. You had Mikey Ripwreck, a fucking kid on the ring crew who, like, just wanted to, like, bump around the ring. So they let him do it. And he bumped with, like, such sympathy. Like, he, like basically, he bumped and it looked like he died every time he bumped. So they're like, okay, let's do that. Let's try to kill this kid every week. Like they just put him in the ring, and every week he'd survive. And he's like, fuck, just keep doing it. With his fucking dragon shirts. Mikey Whipwreck, this is inside, but it's worth it. Looks like Tony Colt's brother-in-law. <laughs> Sorry. Tony. I mean, Daryl Hall? Daryl Hall, yes. Um, but is the size of John Oates. <laughs> I have Oates in my pocket right now. Let me go get him. He's eight inches tall. Um, they had... Uh, they had... Uh, the Sandman who threw like the thing with Tommy Dreamer became a fucking the first beer guzzling violent chain smoking Singapore cade wielding madman basically like stone cold before stone cold yeah he was speaking of which didn't Mikey Whipwreck invent the stunner yeah he, the whippersnapper he's the one that well Michael Hayes technically invented it but he didn't invent it in a wrestling ring i'm not going to say the joke i have in my mind <laughs> um <laughs> thank you i'll tell you off air uh, when did uh, the Tasmaniac start coming into the fold? He was very real. And so, like, yeah, he they, was also around that like the first time they booked Sandman, Sabu, Sandman, like surfer. Well, Heyman, so, yeah, Heyman right? wanted to book like a, an opponent for Sabu. So, we, like, there was some guy in the Northeast called the Tasmaniac who was this crazy, like, I don't know, like, nationality Taz is or was supposed to be, but he was like some crazy native island dude who could have a violent match with Sabu. They brought him in and worked it. in a fuzzy singlet. Um, they kept him, and like he eventually teamed with Sabu, and then we'll get this Taz later on. But um, yeah, they like would book all these like it was the land of the misfit toys. Like they say, like whatever problem you had somewhere else, we're gonna hide that as best we can, and you're gonna be booked like a fucking million bucks. Um, they had good syndication up in their area, and the word started to spread through the dirt sheets that this product was amazing. Because at the same time. When they started getting more violent, like the Sandman and Blood and Guts and Singapore Canes and Sabu doing crazy stuff, they brought in Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. And they like found like Malenko from just like around. Yeah. They brought in Benoit from like Japan. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero was like the hottest thing in Mexico. And yeah. they just started having like amazing wrestling. Mysterio matches. too, right? Well, Mysterio was later. Like but was, later, yeah. Like those guys went to WCW. They're like, all right, fuck, we just lost everybody. Who we bring in? Conan's like, I have Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrero, and Psychosis as number. And then Paul Heyman's like, I don't have to do anything. This is great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Conan. <laughs> you still have your Max Moon? Get up, get out there. Um Heyman had an eye for just fucking talent because he knew with the audience, as much as they wanted blood and guts and insanity, they also wanted just 
fucking good wrestling. So he gave it to him in the midst of chair riots and like 20 table scaffold matches <laughs> and New Jack beating people up with fucking toasters. So New Jack. <laughs> okay. So New Jack, we should really wait for Augie, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> we could be here New all Jack was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, literally making like national headlines for like how controversial of shit he was doing. New Jack is a you did New Jack was a great promo. Yeah. New Jack was like a great promo. It would cut like all these like insensitive fucking racially twinged Charged. fucking promos in Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tennessee. by Jim Cornette. Like everyone, the things that New Jack had to probably go through on a nightly basis are yeah. repugnant, and he was still the heel. Um, repugnant vice. There is repugnant, repugnant vice. Uh, there is no physical video of the Undertaker New Jack match. Hold on, it happened. When it happened, where, how, and in why. Smoky Mountain because Vince was helping Smoky Mountain. So, like, he would just send people down there. I literally think there's a promo where the Undertaker opens up his coat, like the Survivor Series 93 storyline with Team SA, but he opens up and it's a Confederate flag. Shut oh. up. Shut yep. up. Yep. What? Yep. Yep. Holy fuck. And then he fucks Michelle McCool in the front of the General Lee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looks like the Undertaker boy just done fucked himself a pussy. Um, but it exists because there's a promo out there of New Jack like at a graveyard, like cutting a promo on the Undertaker. It's like, fuck, those two probably had to fucking call it in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way they talked ahead of time. But like, like shit wasn't going well. So Heyman like realized, okay, these guys are fucking insane. Yeah. I'm not talking about Mustafa at all because of the gangsters. Sure. It's 98% New Jack yeah. and Mustafa having some dumbass bandana in front of his yeah. mouth. Um, like they brought people like that in. The audience made it because they were smart, but they were respectful, they were insane. The ECW arena. Uh, how have I described the dungeon on this podcast? <laughs> Just full of uh, common tapioca common pudding. tapioca. Add blood and Philly cheesesteaks, and that's the ECW arena. With like 25% more cum and 60% less tapioca. I would say a lot less cum, a lot more sweat. and The May Young story. <laughs> Ow, can you get a hernia in your ribs? It all, it all hurts. It all hurts. It all hurts. <laughs> like a bloated Pennywise. It all hurts yeah. down here. Like, I, so you remember one of those first uh, NXT shows we went to? Yeah. And the people we were sitting behind? You mean the, the show where you asked three different people if we could move? Yeah. Yeah, yeah those people. I, I imagine that's a, a, a tenth of what it smelled like in the ECW arena. ECW arena made 70 year old pussy seriously don't finish yeah, just, yeah. you know what the next word's gonna be you just said the phrase 70 year old pussy smell like <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um it was a bad building it was a bingo hall it was legitimate it was like it wasn't jerry hall lawler like later on lala lawler making fun of fucking lala lawler land it was a literal city of heart attacks um it wasn't like him making fun of like it was a bingo hall in the yeah. other day. Yeah. It was a shitty building, but it had a magic about it. I mean, and like uh, like the first 
famous fans started coming from there. We talked about Hack Guy. I talked about uh, Sign Guy, mm-hmm. the original Sign Guy, where Kane Dewey came from. Um, they were smart. Like they they had the fucking Observer subscription. They knew to fucking cheer the baddies and boo the good guys because of work rate. Like, yeah, you weren't gonna get one over on them if you went in there and you sucked. You suck. Yeah, uh, JT Smith, a famous example. The early days of ECW, he was a good hand, and he fucked a move up, and they thought that's where you fucked up came from. So Heyman recognized it, and they turned his character legitimately into a character that purposely botched moves. And, like, the guy almost killed himself, like, climbing on the top rope and fake falling on the concrete floor, and the crowd ate it up because that's <laughs> the only thing they cared about now. It was, like, disgusting. Um, so 94, 95, it's pretty much like the best wrestling product. And it starts seeping into the main stream. Because around like 96, they start to do like some shit on Raw, well, right? No, no, no. Well, later. 95, 95? 95, 95 is a huge year yeah. for them because their syndication expands a little bit. Okay. Um, guys start getting signed. So that 95 is when Benoit Guerrero Malenko got gobbled up by Bischoff. Yeah. That's when they put burning in Lucha guys. But also... 95, King of the Ring, was in Philadelphia mm. when this part of CAC is, is taking off. 95, King of the Ring was won by Mabel versus Savio Vega. Ooh. And the main event is Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow against Sid and Tatanka in Philadelphia. The fact that this is not like Altamont and the Rolling Stones is a miracle. Yeah. Because like wow. people should have died that night. That's how bad that show was. Everyone's like, oh, Shawn Michaels going in King of the Ring. And then we went to a draw with The Godfather. Mabel won. In the main event, in the King of the Ring final, the crowd is openly chanting ECW Damn. at Mabel and Savio Vega. And Vince, because Vince doesn't know, is like, oh, what's this now? What do I hear? Who's this chant for? You think it's for Savio Vega? It's everyone angrily chanting ECW. Who's <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. I have no idea. He researches it. Oh, okay. I'll keep that in my back pocket. And he does. And he starts pilfering like little, little fucking things. Um, 96 is when well, things they also, they also have uh, I, they must be planted there on purpose but like Tommy Dreamer and like the Sandman in the crowd that's the next year okay that's, 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 uh, that's yeah. 96 that's they do it uh, no, yeah okay sure, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. it is yeah, it is a positive that's what I was yeah, yeah. referring 95, to but also 95 like Sabu's on like the second Nitro yeah and Sabu Public got enemies. signed yeah, yeah Sabu got signed they start signing people Dean Douglas yep. is there like ECW has got a microscope on it, and they're getting talent taken away because they're the hot product. Um, 96 happens, and they lose Cactus Jack. They start losing, like, even bigger fucking guys. Yeah. As other guys start to come. Like, Douglas is already back. Um, but they're still – they have Raven now. Like, Raven doing his stuff with – Fucking Dreamer in that storyline was yeah. classic. And before that, all people knew him as Johnny, Johnny Polo. Polo. Yeah, or yeah. Johnny Polo. Johnny, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever it was. Whatever um, Johnny he wanted to be that year. Mm-hmm. You see, like, the first incantation of the Dudleys. You see Rob Van Dam become a thing and not fucking Robbie V yeah. in WCW. Like, guys are coming. Like, they lose people. They replace people. And all those people are notable. Um... 96. They know how to take the dregs and fucking bring the best out of it. Land them. of the Misfit Toys. Yeah. It's it's said all the time, but it's fucking true. Look at look at fucking little Guido. Let's break the little Guido. Be careful. I know he's your brother, but don't worry about it. 
Look at little Guido. This fucking 150 pound scrawny fucking wop. I knew you were going to say wop. I could have gone Dago. I know I did, but I knew you were going to say wop. For the view, for the listening audience, wop's funnier. Um, if you're at home when you're hearing this, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Podswoggle. Which do you prefer, wop or Dago? Put a poll up. <laughs> um, like, who's going to sign this guy? He's yeah. literally five foot nothing, yeah. hundred and fucking nothing pounds. And they bring him in in this like fake shoot Italian promotion or shoot sable, which, mind you, has Tracy Smothers, who fucked a bear yesterday. Tommy Rich, who, this is not a joke, blew some guy to become NWA champion. Oh uh, JT Smith, the black guy who botched moves I was talking about earlier in the full blooded Italian stable. There's nobody else that's going to fucking book that. And he is the legitimate one. <laughs> he's the size of that Alf doll next to you, and he's the legitimate one on the table. But it's the way they fucking present it yeah. is different, and it's good. So ninety six, they lose even more people, but their profile starts to raise, and again, they're tinkering with things. So Cactus Jack left, but Taz is back. Taz legitimately got his neck broken, walked into a hospital with a broken neck, and they said, uh, like clinically. You should not have been able to walk inside of this building. You should be probably be dead. Um, he's like, well, I'm here. <laughs> Fix me. Help. Well, I'm here. Hardest part of my neck right here. Um, so, like, instead of coming back as a fucking savage boy, they brought him back as, like, an MMA shoot fighter because UFC was, like, all the rage. Starting to come in and they time. started promoting this five foot nine little fucking pit bull spark plug shithead as like the most unstoppable thing in the world. Yeah. Um they they have like Chris Jericho in. They have all the luchadors I talked about. Um and they start like building up to something, which leads into the 96. Vince they're on Vince's radar now. Yeah. Uh Mind Games, the last the next time they're in Philadelphia after that King of the Ring. They just like flat out are like, you guys want help? Hey, need any help? So they put him in front row uh, during a Savio Vega Justin Bradshaw strap match, <laughs> which I mean, let's be honest, they needed all the help they could get. I mean, like if they played this podcast in the middle of that match, it would benefit <laughs> <laughs> Savio Vega and Justin Bradshaw. They're outside like beating the fuck out of each other with the strap, like the Sandman crushes the fucking beer can on his head and spits it at Savio Vega. And they're like, okay, well, are we going to start our bit now? Because <laughs> the same just wanted to do that. <laughs> would have done that anyway. It's been 20 minutes since he's done it. Um, <laughs> I, As a human being that has legitimately done the Sandman shtick drunk to his forehead, I will, will tell everybody at home. It sucks. It sucks. Don't do it. It's not, it's not worth it to fucking gig yourself hard way with a beer can. What are other places the Sandman has done that? Uh, That? Yeah. Uh, his son's wedding. Uh, a cash and carry. Uh, Chi Chi's. You know Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant. Chi-Chi's. good food. <laughs> um, Nepal. And his deathbed. <laughs> Whenever it happens. Um, and then the next night, like Taz walks out with a fucking sign because he's already doing the Sabu shit, and like they're just like, and they're built is like, oh, this renegade. Bingo Hall promotions, like, trying to make a name for themselves. And, like, it's fucking working. But you gotta forget, like, 
like at this time, like in mid ninety six, the Steiner brothers have already come through here. Uh, time out. I love Scott Steiner and ECW. We know. Wait, wait, wait. The Steiner brothers were in ECW for a cup of coffee, just because they were like in between WCW and New Japan. They were friends with Heyman. They came in. They didn't fucking job anybody. <laughs> sure. Scott Steiner won't job to a job. Like, he manages a Shoney's. You know how many times he's been in that Shoney's? Opening day. He comes in once a year. Where's my expense reports? They hand him a kid's menu, and he's like, thank you. He goes home. He colors He colors in the dragon. Everything, everything checks out. We're good. Because Rick's the one that's holding the property. <laughs> Ninety six, um, but, but again, they've also they went through Brian Pillman. They were yep. huge in like Pillman, like getting his release from WCW to like quote unquote like like work the sheets. work work the sheets with Bischoff, and he just wanted to go. Brian Pillman just wanted to piss in a square. That's the only reason he went these. I think we cover this in the initial drug history. Brian Pillman just wanted to piss in a room full of dudes, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, how can I get paid the best to do this? Paul will do it." Um, 96 had to be around the same time for Austin, too. Yeah, no, 95. See, oh, okay. I'm going to say yeah, this right yeah. now. The two best promos in wrestling history came from ECW in 1995. Number two is the Kane Dewey Kane promo. Dewey. Spencer, have you ever seen the, the Kane Dewey promo? No, I don't think so. So Mick Foley held a lot of res- was starting to get a lot of resentment from not getting fucking signed from WWF, going to Japan and killing himself in death matches. And going to ECW and like everyone loving him and doing all this crazy shit, but like not really appreciating it. And there are like, there are Japanese exploding barbed wire matches with him and yeah. Terry Funk and uh, sign guy who I talked about earlier who always had like snarky signs had a sign that legitimately said Kane Dewey. Who at the time was Mick Foley's like three year old son, which is fucking morbid and weird and whatever. But he cuts this fucking crazy ass promo about like a fan making a sign encouraging people to beat up his three year old child. And he's like, I'm not fucking doing this shit anymore. So, like, from then on out, like, he would wrestle matches and like, be locked on, like, side headlocks and, like, drop toe holds and, like, fucking wrestling. <laughs> and it's fucking literally some of the best mic work ever. But he's so, like, fucking passionate and angry yeah. and fucking crazy. It's insane. My favorite wrestling promo of all time is superstar Steve Austin going over his WCW career and just fucking going and if you watch the like the actual footage it's insane so like he's just sitting there and he goes over like everything he pitches to dusty he was a great dusty by the way sure uh talking about like him wanting to be with hogan him wanting to be with sting and then he shows up in ecw and like he's like look at all these fucking misfits the sandman all this shit and just like the end of it he's so fucking like you can see the stone cold in him he's like so serious i'm gonna be the superstar we'll watch it after this it's so fucking good and then, like, if you watch, like, the actual footage of the promo that they air now on any television promo, yeah. it gets ruined immediately because, like, it's, like, a seven-minute amazing promo, and it cuts, and you see Austin, like, come out of it. And the whole ECW locker room's, like, in there watching it, and they all clap, and Sandman's in the back, drunk as titty balls, going, oh, my God! <laughs> Fucking A-man! <laughs> And that's because he didn't understand half the words Austin said. 
I've driven up dusty roads, but I didn't know they could fuck you up. <laughs> but the, like, that's how good that fucking promo is. Yeah. And he's doing Monday Nightquill and shitting on Bischoff and Bongo mm-hmm. instead of Mongo. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. Look, he's, but he's gone in '96, so they're trying yeah. to rebuild. They're trying to do a thing, and they're doing a successful job. Did, did Austin even like actually wrestling matches? It was like five, hurt, right? It was like five matches. Really? The first night in, Heyman wanted to make him champion. Yeah. And he goes, no, 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 you build up to that shit. Austin had the fucking business mind. So the night he was supposed to come out. I feel like Austin and ECW is so under-talked about. They talk about the promos. They don't talk about it's anything It's the first else. place you ever drink a beer in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Um, it's the first place. He used to come up to fucking Jesus Christ Superstar, which is Shut hilarious. Shut the fuck up, really? Yeah, because he was Superstar Steve Austin. Fuck. It was like in between Stone Cold and Stunning. Yeah. So he still kind of had like the crew cut and the blonde hair. Right. But he came out like a big fucking deal because at the time, like in Dirt Sheets, he was like one of the five best wrestlers in the world. Right. He wasn't a fucking brawler like he was no. like a main event. He was a fucking mechanic. He was a yeah. great hand. Um, He came out and like, he wanted to be part of the ECW title picture. And like he wasn't a part of the show. And that's when Mikey Whipwreck, this fucking like little virgin, this Jason Biggs motherfucker, <laughs> became ECW champion beating the Sandman. And like he went nuts. He's like, this guy's the champion? They had a triple threat. And like Mikey like gets like a fucking schoolboy rolling up with the tights on Austin. And Austin goes nuts. And like then he starts begging for Bischoff to give him his job back because like he's like above all these people, but like actually he's fucking losing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking Fuck. brilliant shit. Vince happens to know that Steve Austin's finally on the market and brings him in and wants to make him a circus character. Um, with Ted DiBiase in his mouthpiece after he got yeah. the best promo of all time. Um, so all this shit's happening. All this shit's going on. Sorry, my back is hurting. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm about to work. Uh, uh, so 96. Oh, you have somebody else? Or well, who, I, I feel like I'm missing like so much. Well, yeah, man. Because so many people come through. So, hard to cover, right? so many people come through. Um, so, and, and also like another one of the things that's always just fun to go back and watch is after Matt Bourne gets released from WWF and he does his doink stuff, but born like, again, born again, dark doink early, like think dark doink. Like, like you felt like if doink in his infancy as a heel was Pennywise in ECW, he's like Pennywise with like a razor sharp cock. He's, he's basically doing like. Heath Ledger Joker in 1995. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it, and then uh, get off the smack. Um, well, and and we could go over a lot of these stories. <laughs> They're all gonna end with, and they couldn't get off the smack. So yeah. that's the end of it. Drugs were a lot. Um, so drugs in ECW were like candy for Mars. So like 96 and 97, sort of like ECW, sort of like starting to gain like a lot of momentum. Well, we can't gloss over 97. No, I, I I want to gloss over, yeah. but like. Who's sort of like running things behind the scenes Heyman. at this point? At I know it's point, Heyman, but like, who's also like, who's like the, the who would you say is the office of ECW? At this Heyman, point? <laughs> it's all fucking Heyman. He bought out Todd Gordon. Todd yeah. Gordon like stayed as like a figurehead. Sure, um, he was like the Jack Tunney. Basically, Heyman literally used to have in a locker room his desk in the middle of the locker room, and like you could come up and be like, "What do you want to work on? What's your storyline? Okay, what's your promos like? Okay, cool. I trust you. Go. Mm-hmm. You just let him fucking do it." If he had something specific that he wanted, he would fucking coach to it and do to it. But it was Heyman. Yeah. It was all fucking Heyman. And it was such a fucking tight run ship that, like, if you, like, ordered a fucking ECW shirt, Tommy Dreamer was the one writing the fucking labels out. This is out. what I was meaning, yeah. Like, Tommy Dreamer's the one, like, sending your mail. 
to you. Yeah. Like if you go to an ECW show and like like anything from the concession stand you buy, fucking Devon Dudley's the one collecting the cash at the end of the night. Like it was all fucking in house. It yeah. was all and they're making like hundreds of thousands of dollars because it's how hot of a fucking product it is. And also Clinton got us a surplus. So if you want to get political, Bill Clinton is secretly like one of the five most important people in ECW. <laughs> because this motherfucker got all these fucking toothless, weird, mustache people in Philadelphia enough money to spend on fucking Nova shirts. <laughs> and this is why we do this, because no one's ever thought of it that way. Exactly. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was a better gangster than Mustafa. It should have been New Jack and Clinton. Holy shit. Imagine Bill Clinton coming out the natural born killers, stapling somebody's forehead. That was the closest I've ever come to a spit take on I, drunk history. I appreciate that. Um, I just see Bill Clinton like doing a Jackie Fargo strut with a guitar and smashing over somebody's head and then fucking that person's head. <laughs> Man or woman, he's just excited to be there. Um... So 96. Oh, is this Natural Born Killers? I love this song. <laughs> Tara illustrates my era. <laughs> I can't hang around my mama because I scare her. Um, so 96, everything's going punky door. Everything's yeah. going great. They finally have built up. They're the third biggest promotion in the country because their syndication's growing. Yeah. They have a national attention. They finally get pay per view. Which nobody else gets pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They get pay-per-view. They're going to build up. They have a bunch of fucking stories. Terry Funk is back. Building him up as like the fucking old underdog against fucking Raven. Uh, they've created the BWO, which I don't want to go into because Spencer doesn't know what they are. No, no, no. I mean, we got to go into it. The BWO, was, they basically, they had the Blue Meanie. Uh, and Steven Richards used to like fucking parody like a bunch of different old wrestling acts. One night they did the Blue World Order. So they had the blue guy instead of the bad guy. They had like Hollywood Nova instead of Hollywood Hogan. And they had Stevie Richards as Big Stevie Cool instead of Big Daddy Cool. And like the first night it was so popular, they made it like a fucking year long thing. And WCW tried to suit him and they're like, fucking parody dog, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and they made it like a ton of. <laughs> Paul Heyman jizzed on every dollar bill he made off of the BWO. Thinking about Eric Bischoff's face. <laughs> that conversation we had earlier today about a certain somebody and titles and whatnot. Um, that's Paul Heyman and the BWO's money. So um, you're saying Paul Heyman could sue? Now, yeah. <laughs> Unless they claim parody. Dude, don't give him the idea. He needs it. He'll do it. Um, so had all that shit going on. They had um, Taz and Sabu. Paul Heyman fired Sabu double booking ECW New Japan in the ring in front of fans see like he would lie his ass off to wrestlers hey Paul where's my money oh I'm go to the Rise and Fall extra DVD and find out all the crazy stories of Paul Heyman fucking travel arrangements he used to book guys on bereavement fairs and not tell them why so like Jericho would like call and be like I'm the third time like I don't know I'm sorry Mr. Jericho we finally have your plane information here, and I'm sorry about your your brother. My brother? Yeah, your brother Chris Benoit. Like, I really am sorry about his death. They once booked Ron Simmons, Farouk, as Seymour Goldstein to get cheaper fare for his friend's fucking funeral. Um, to cut any fucking corner they could. But Sabu got double booked, and they fired him in the ring publicly because he never lied to the fucking fans. 
And when Sabu was gone, they built up Taz when he came back as instead of a fucking crazy Islander, as like a shoot fighter wizard. Like five foot nine, 200 pound Taz was choking out that 911 guy who was six foot 10, 300 pounds in five seconds. They built, they built him up as literally unfucking touchable. And the whole reason was he wanted Sabu. Like Sabu was him and always feuding. He never got one over on Sabu. Where the fuck are you, you chicken shit little bitch? Come fucking find me. And finally, like after a year of him tearing through everybody, the lights go out. Sabu comes up. The crowd goes nuts. Our first pay-per-view main event is what we're doing. So they have a show. Uh, and a guy doesn't make it to the show. So then you get a replacement. Mm. There's a 18-year-old kid on hand. Uh, this was the first ECW paper. No, this is why the first ECW paper got canceled initially. It's a huge moment. Like everything is perfect for ECW. Like we're finally getting it. It's just like November. They're all like, oh, it's the house show. New Jack and Mustafa, the gangsters, are booked against uh, Devon and like one of the Rottens or something. Well, Axel Rotten doesn't show up. So there's like 18 year old kid on hand that's like. Oh hey, like you need a replacement? I I have wrestling training. Killer Kowalski trained me. First of all, you look at the kid; he's fat as shit. And there's no way Killer Kowalski trained you. Look at Triple H. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what's like? All right. Um, I have like a uh, fucking Ralph Cramden gimmick. I have like a honeymooners gimmick. You have like overalls and shit. I'm like, okay. Like, we'll pay you this much. All right, sweet. They put him in the match. They like book. And he's like, oh, I want to get color. They're just like, oh, you want to get. Match starts, and he almost kills the kid. Like, you can watch, this is the, his gimmick name was Mass Transit, the Mass Transit incident, where he literally just fucking cuts. With the what? With, like, a fucking scythe. Like, not a, like, not a knife, a fucking, like, what the Grim Reaper is shown using. Because the Grim Reaper, teeth chatters when New Jack's around. Yeah. Um... And there's literally like like you know the chocolate waterfall at Golden Corral. <laughs> That's the mass transit video in a nutshell. Blood squirting out of this eighteen year old kid, and his dad is there. And like he's only eighteen, and New Jack's on the mic saying, "And I quote, I don't care if this fucking kid dies because he's New Jack, and there's no joke there. He didn't care if that fucking kid died. <laughs> he didn't care." He didn't care. It made for good television at a house show. It made for good television. <laughs> the new Jack. Uh, and it became a big deal. It almost fucking died. He sued ECW. They got pulled from their pay-per-view. They got fucking pulled. Because of this fucking horrible incident. And fans legitimately complained and wrote in and called until finally, like, the president of Viewer's Choice from pay-per-view was like, fine. 10 o'clock at night is when the pay-per-view had to start. Jesus. And it was like TVMA before they even had like fucking ratings. <laughs> like, I think it was like three weeks after fucking WrestleMania when Barely Eagle was the first pay per view. How did people buy that show? Because Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman on the payroll for about a year at that point. Paul Heyman literally was making like $1,500 a week. <laughs> think about Paul Heyman in $1,500 a week. You know how many fucking New Jersey, New York Yankees hats are, that is? It's insane. Um, but 
Vince McMahon realized this is my feeder system. I don't have fucking developmental. So he started poaching guys from ECW. Yeah. But he gave them the opportunity on Raw to basically take over for an entire night in New York City. They had like four ECW matches. Jerry Lawler was like the heel saying like, this is extremely crappy wrestling. Like, I hate this (laughs) shit. And it was like their way to combat the NWO and WCW. Yeah. This is how we're going to fight back. Um, Barely Eagles pay-per-view did like almost as many buys as the WCW and WWE pay-per-views the month it aired. Jesus. Um, which like wasn't like any small feed. This is like height of the NWO. Yeah. The month after Mania. And it was a, a clusterfuck of a show, but everything worked. Like they didn't want J- Joey Styles to commentate the show by himself. And Heyman fought for him and he did an amazing job. The power generator blew up two seconds after the show ended. Jesus. This is that same bingo hall. Gertrude's in the back calling bingo. And Terry Funk's bleeding everywhere winning the ECW world title. Um, But it was a huge fucking... Like, they literally did the same numbers as the fucking big guns. Damn. WWE was a big help because Vince was supporting them. Because yeah. also he knew, like, anytime he wanted to just... Oh, cool, Al Snow, thanks. Yeah. You know, he would send people there to fucking figure themselves out. Yep. And he could take whoever. They had, like, a brief ECW invasion storyline in 97. Uh, I don't even know if you're going to even fucking notice when you do Retro Diaries because it was like relegated like Shotgun Saturday Night. Like like RVD and Sabu were like wrestling like uh, the Rock and Roll Boys or what do you call them? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the Mosh Brothers. The, oh, yeah, the Brothers. Mosh Brothers, yeah. 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 Um, so like they had a cup of coffee. That's how RVD became Mr. Monday Night. Is yeah. like He was the one that was like, I want to go. Like send me over. It was, yeah. a, it was great heel heat for the ECW crowd. They were a big success on pay-per-view, and they became a permanent every two or three months fixture. fixture. And they started, like, they couldn't keep anybody. Um, there was actually a big story in the mid-97 year where fucking Bill Alfonso and Todd Gordon were, like, openly corresponding with WCW guys, like, sending them over. They, like... The NWO in 97 almost became an NWO versus ECW fucking feud. So, because even though Vince was, like, bankrolling them, it was still kind of like an under-the-table type of thing. There were no exclusive contracts. So, if dudes wanted to, like, do shit with ECW, they could. Well, they were also, like, so when when Raven went to WCW. Yeah. Like, they gave Raven, like, a big money guarantee contract with WCW. And they're like, well, who else you got? And he's like, oh, I can get Saturn. I can get this guy. I can get this guy. So, like, they went through Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso. Right. And they would get a cut of those guys' contracts to go to WCW with Bischoff instead of WWE. I bet Heyman didn't like that. Uh, Paul Heyman would throat fuck Eric Bischoff through the ass if he could. Here's, Here's maybe one of my five favorite moments in WWE, like, DVD history. Yeah. Is you buy the the Rise and Fall of ECW TV and it's rated TVMA and you just think it's because of ECW footage is being sure. used. So early on, like they talk about Hammond getting fired and Dreamers like Paul Hammond made ECW to be out like the fucking devil, like all this shit. And like everything's been normal for the first like 15, 20 minutes, and it cuts to an interview of Hammond. And, and Hammond just goes I basically told them to go fuck themselves when they started treating people like shit. And I'm like, I'm watching an easy, I'm watching a WWE DVD. This is amazing. 
And then like when he like Bischoff is stealing people in '95, yeah. and he's like, "Well, they didn't have contracts and checks were bouncing." Cut to Heyman. Eric Bischoff is so full of fucking shit. <laughs> it's like this was worth every fucking dollar of everything. It's like the only like uncensored fucking yeah. WWE production they've ever fucking yeah. done. It's still not on the network. Sure, it it's, won't be. It never will be because no. I I still watch it like at least once a year because it's that fucking good. But it was a big fucking deal that they were like poaching guys. That's why Todd Gordon left in '97 because yeah. Heyman was like, "You're gonna kill our business," so we had to fire him as the figurehead. Yeah, and Bill Afonso would have gotten fired, but instead he bled all over the fucking ring with Tommy Dreamer's wife and saved his job. Literally, like, one of the best ECW matches ever is a referee against Tommy Dreamer's wife in a fucking menstrual bloodbath that saved fucking Bill Alfonso's job, and he almost died in the middle of the ring. Um, So, yeah, 97, but they, they, like, for every fucking, they sign fucking Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. They fucking bring in, they fucking elevate RVD to a two-year TV title run. Yeah. And make him the biggest fucking star in the company. Like, they always, he always found a way. Yeah. He always found something to do. Um, and then he would also, like, so they do the WWF feud, and nothing goes anywhere. They bring in Lawler. The night Raven finally loses Tommy Dreamer after never beating Tommy Dreamer for three yeah. years, and then them never wanting to do it. It happens. The lights go out, and Jerry Lawler's in the ring and saying, I'm going to shit in this ring because this to- building is made out of toilet paper. <laughs> and then hits Tommy Dreamer in the fucking nuts with a kendo stick so bad that Tommy Dreamer almost lost both of his testicles. Oh, God. <laughs> Trust me, it hurt. Um, <laughs> it fucking sucked. Um, but they always like they brought in like Jake the Snake just because like they, mm-hmm. they knew people would respect him. Like they found a fucking way. Yeah. And they were the third when those two were warring. They were the third company. Yeah. Ninety eight, kind of the same thing. Uh, Dudley Boys are getting big around this point, right? Dudley Boys are getting big. They how many? Are, they've how already many? been champions a couple times. Ninety eight, ninety nine is when they start become like. Huge. The infamous, like the best heels in wrestling. Yeah, and I don't mean best in terms of like, oh, what good traditional heel heat. I mean, like they would go to the ring, and I apologize for everything I'm about to say, but these are quotes. Talk about you fat faggot motherfucker in the front row with a Hawaiian shirt coming to this ring and beat me up and take your boyfriend's cock out of your mouth. That is a direct quote from Heat Wave '99. They would spit on mothers in the front row because they're teaching their daughters how to suck fucking dick. They would come into the ring and be like, I hope all you people die in a fucking plane crash like JFK Jr. I'm not normally I'm fucking making shit up at this point in the podcast. Bubba Ray Dudley was insane. Rever Devon had to become a reverend just to fucking cleanse his palate. How many how many Dudleys were there at this point? Uh, well, only Bubba and Devon. And Spike was like the baby face. Uh-huh. We didn't have uh, Dances with Dudley anymore. Oh. I think Big Dick was still around. Okay. Uh, uh, Sign Guy Dudley. Uh, John Melendez Dudley was gone. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm mentioning the Melendez brothers. The Menendez brothers? Menendez brothers. The Melendez brothers. They also killed their family, but nobody found out about it. <laughs> um... So, yeah, like, they were a homegrown fucking crazy. Yeah. They were inciting riots yeah. on a nightly basis. Damn. And they had a free fucking reign to do it. And, like, they never... And here's, again, another great thing. All these pay-per-views on the network exist 
unedited. For real? They're all TVMA. I went through. I'm sad you to went say, to like spot checked. There were way too many times during my four month lead where my infant daughter was on my knee, and I was watching Dudley Boys promos, no. and like Joe Gertner, who was like the, the Dudley Boys like old like ring announcer, yeah, and then became like a babyface announcer who would literally start shows off with like filthy limericks, like "Well, well, well, it is I, the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Johnny Cash may talk about." Being hurts, but when I'm in bed, I make the women squirts. Like he probably every single month for the first five minutes of the paper, he would have fucking rhymes about jizz and squirts and labias and fucking Mexicans, like all of them, just all in one promo. Gertner, <laughs> that's how we would always end the fucking promo. And the ECW crowd, go figure, loved it. Um, so 98 and status quo and also 98 is the biggest year in the wrestling business ever. Yeah. Because that's the year that the WWE turns a tide. All these tides have risen. And that's the year that WCW and them are like battling back and forth every single week. And you have Stone Cold, you have Goldberg. WCW is like there, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, peeking their head through 99 they're again, of course, they're still there. They're like making a profit. They're not paying anybody, but they're making a profit. Um, but they realize like it's kind of make or break because we need the breakthrough, or this is just where we'll be until we fall off. Paul Heyman is as good with money as fucking fat people are with cholesterol. Poor <laughs> is what I mean. <laughs> So, like, everyone's owed money. He doesn't know how to fucking make, like, good contact with anybody. Yeah. But, like, there's some... Because the product is that good and their people show up. They're there. Well, and also, he was able to very much inspire in his his talent to do insane things. He was, he was like a Vince Lombardi type. He's been called, more appropriately, the David Koresh of pro wrestling. Like, uh, fucking Waco and oh, yeah. the Kool-Aid. Like, yeah. Paul Heyman would convince you to drink the fucking Kool-Aid and go out there and do whatever you want. Watch the, his Beyond the Mat fucking speech. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to be fair, the Kool-Aid is Brian, or uh, what, Jonestown? Not Brian Jones. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, Jones? Uh, Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Jim Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Koresh, like. David Koresh is Waco. Yeah. yeah. Any any of those regardless, fucking cult like, leaders. Yeah, he would give these insane speeches because before the before each show. This that would have... is the dance at ECW. Well, like in the locker room. Absolutely. Yeah. He knew how to fucking get his people. So the same Eyes way up. like he would... <laughs> End of the story, Paul Heyman is Lynn Memo Miranda. <laughs> but the same way he would like, you know, you're obviously you're working a crowd for this reaction or that reaction. He was working his, his roster Absolutely. for this moment or that moment. Absolutely. Um, but he realizes, like, syndication and, like, pay-per-view is only going to take us so far. We need national television. Yeah. Who better than TNN? At the time, the Nashville Network. Yep. If you look on the surface, I get it. All those Dudley Boy promos. <laughs> I totally get it. And they were the ones that were like, they were the ones that came to them and was like, let's do it. They had Monster Jam. They had, they had, oh, fuck. Oh, 
Jam. We'll do we'll do a drunk history on blank slate about roller jam. Okay, then we'll go for bonus content. Yeah. Posse Shaleen, if you're out there, if you're listening to this, I love you and I want to lick your six pack. Um <laughs> <laughs> This is all Tope Witten's fault. They're the one keep bringing this shit up. All right. I have moved on. You want to leave this dead and buried in your past. Of just... course. Of course. I never thought I'd have to say Eric Slopey ever again. The white pony. <laughs> Um, the Nashville Network. Yeah. So in '99, they it was, again it was a kind of a make or break year for them because Shane Douglas was gone again. Bam and Bigelow was gone again to WCW. Um, they finally elevated Taz after being like protect, protected so much. He lost like once since like he came yeah. back. Like once like Bam and Bigelow because Bam and Bigelow like threw him through the ring. Yeah. In Bam and Bigelow's hometown. That was... And that's it. That was the one clip I always remember seeing of of on like the pay per view preview Bam channel. Bam, the two of them like falling back. Yeah, yeah. In three years, that was the only time Taz got beat, beat clean. RVD hadn't lost a TV title in almost two years at that point. They knew how to build people up, connect people, and then bring in super crazy. Bring in Tajiri. Bring in Steve Carino. Bring in Rhino. Bring in new guys, and then bring back when Sandman's not hack anymore. Yeah, like they knew how to fucking do that shit. But they need fucking time. CNN's like, let's do it. They had their, like, I think it was Friday nights, which is fucking the shittiest night of television anyway. Death spot. It was fucking Monster Jam, ECW, and Roller Jam. They used ECW because they cared about Roller Jam as a fucking lead-in. Lead-in. True fucking story. They taped a TV taping, and Heyman hated it so much that he said, we're not airing that, and just instead aired RVD and Jerry Lynn from the pay-per-view six months earlier (laughs) on the first night of TNN. Uh, which is funny because if you watch the first night of ECW on WWE, uh, they should have done the same thing. <laughs> they yeah. should have just re-aired yeah. RVD and Cherry Lynn from 99 instead of the show from 2006 <laughs> where the zombie existed. Yeah. Um, I love you, Andrew Zangry. We'll do the zombie delirious match next time we see each other. Um, so they start, and they are the highest rated show on TNN. They're drafting about a million viewers every single week. I never saw. I watched every single fucking week because yeah. I was watching World Jam. Um... Not one commercial, not one press release, not one fucking advertisement ever. For a bit of promotion. Only Monster Jam, only Roller Jam. They never yeah. promoted ECW. You had to literally know that they were on to yeah. fucking search it out. 2000 happens, and the wrestling bubble is about to burst. WCW just made David Arquette world champion, and Vince Russo made Booker T, G.I. Joe. I'm sorry. G.I. Bro. G.I. Bro. G.I. Bro, Spencer. In a stable with huge erection. Yeah. And Major Stash. What drug did he like? Um, Actually, it was going to be Private Stash, but Van Hammer was upset. He was the lowest ranking member, so they made him a major. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Van Hammer. Private Stash is such a better pun. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. This dumbass didn't realize it. That's... That's the wrestling business in a nutshell. They would they would sacrifice a pun for rank. So 2000, they're on TNN the whole year. Yeah. They're bleeding fucking money because they're trying to keep up. They get a, a, a deal with a claim. But their their TV deal, like, that's not, like, yielding them any money? It is, but, like... Not enough? Not enough because, again, they're not getting any, any fucking promotion whatsoever. They're the highest rated show... But they're trying to keep up with production value. Yeah. ECW is always fucking cheap and yeah. like counterculture and indie. Yeah. 
um, they get the acclaim who mm-hmm. used to have the WWF video game license buys like half the company essentially remote to like make their game, which ECW Hardcore Revolution fucked that game to death because if you ever played an acclaimed WWF game, it's terrible. You have to hit four buttons and light your anus on fire to do a body slam. Um, and nothing says ECW like four button combos for a body slam and lighting yourself on fire. Oh, well, that's part. That game is great though because like they literally like had free reign the wrestlers to do all their voiceovers and all the crowd stuff. So just to get the a fucking mature rating, there's all kinds of like insane fucking crowd cat calls. Danny Doring just like literally for one of his t- chants just imitates himself eating pussy. Uh, which I don't know how good he is because literally all it is is talked about it in many interviews. Okay. But okay. Danny Doring is not important in the okay. story. No, it's not. Um, and they eventually they lose the TV, right? Well, TNN got ECW to test out how wrestling would do on their network because in the fall of 2000, they spend $100 million acquiring the rights to WWF television. And they become the national network instead of the Nashville network. They start in September of 2000 while ECW is still on the air. Vince McMahon allowed ECW to stay on the air while they joined the network. Paul Heyman openly creates a network character, Cyrus or fucking uh, the Jackal, whatever, Don Callis to fucking openly make fun of how much he fucking hates TNN just to, and like we cut shoot promos on the television show, this is a shoot. Fucking cancel us. Fire me. Please. I hate you. God damn it. Get rid of me. <laughs> I'm going to sue your fucking tits off because you're about to pay Vince McMahon fucking nine figures while we have a contract. Um, So I canceled ECW. <laughs> Backfire. And then... Like, every, like, here's the thing. Like, any wrestling promotion that ever closed, that ever ended. Yeah. It's because, like, people stopped showing up. Like, you watch, like, any WCW show at the end. Like, nobody's there. AWA shows were literally Sergeant Sol- Slaughter's, like, entire family. Yeah. Just hanging out, watching Larry Zabisco beat up a fucking turkey. Um, HW crowds were always fucking there. They, they never, never went stopped. away. Because they always had somebody else. Yeah. Um, But Heyman was just super behind on fucking paying people. And didn't have television to keep up. So shit started to get bad. And then beginning of 2001, they signed Rhino, who was like the only singles champion. They signed Spike. They signed Just Incredible. Lance Storm was already gone. Like everybody started to get gobbled up because they couldn't afford a pay-per-view. They had like their last pay-per-view in 2001 in January. Van Dam came back, literally worked for free. He was already owed like (laughs) $70,000. Van Damme, if Van, here's something that's never talked about. Van Damme was the guy. Yeah. He was, after Taz left, because Taz, like, when he left the WWE, because we didn't talk about that, Taz jobbed in five minutes to put Mike Awesome over. Van Damme, they were going to build up as, like, he was TV champion for two years. He was going to finally win the ECW title. He was the guy. Fucking broke his ankle. <laughs> that for six weeks, or, like, eight weeks or something. And they couldn't do the unification match. And they came back, and it just, like, wasn't fucking there. Yeah. Like, they just, like, had different stories 
to replace him because I was going to be out longer. And instead of forcing it. Yeah. And then he was like, you owe me a lot of money. I'm not showing up. Jerry Lynn just kept showing up. Jerry Lynn's like, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm Jerry Lynn. Um, I'll be champion. How much are you getting paid? I don't care. I got a belt. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like Van Damme, like if Van Damme was like healthy and around and like actually made the face. Is that lot, the one thing that could have been different? I think it could have because literally like, like the last thread that could have been pulled. Think of like when Van joined WWE, even like despite Vince's best efforts, he was the most popular guy in the company yeah. for years. Yeah. Van Damme. And Damon at the time was the best wrestler in the world. Yep. The most popular guy in fucking wrestling. Yep. Could have been yeah. it. He could have been, and he got hurt at the wrong fucking time. Yeah. Um, and instead, 10 years later, we get... Weed is cool. Yeah, that. The Mike Whidden story. Um... <laughs> so paul Heyman's going everywhere paul Heyman is literally sleeping underneath a desk at the usa network office waking up every morning going hey can i get a can we get on your show <laughs> and nobody like wrestling's bursting like nobody wants him so vince is still paying him every week <laughs> yeah because even then like taz taz debuted on wwe television still as ecw champion right no 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 no, no, no. well he came on well no no so let's forget. Let's not forget the craziest moment in modern wrestling history. Taz was already in WWE for four months. Literally did the job. Left was in WWE. Yeah. Mike Austin was the ECW champion. When Bischoff and Russo took over WCW booking, they signed Mike Awesome while he was ECW champion. He debuted on Nitro as ECW champion, Jesus and because Christ. of a court injunction, didn't throw the ECW title in the trash. <laughs> um, he was beating up Kevin Nash with a crutch. And was still ECW champion. So in a pinch, Paul Heyman calls Vince McMahon. So at a house show for ECW, Mike Awesome, the ECW champion, who was a WCW contracted wrestler, wrestled Taz, a WWE contracted wrestler. Holy shit. So a WWE guy wrestled a WCW guy for the ECW title. Wow. And Taz won. Yeah. Just to fucking bail out. Like, literally, the match is like five minutes. Dreamer doesn't run in. Austin taps out and bolts because he thought he was going to get fucking knifed. Jesus Christ. Um, So much so that when he came back for the one-night stand with Joey Styles, Joey Styles just shoots on him, hoping that he kills himself. Mike Awesome killed himself two years later. Oh, God. Good job, Joey. He still beat up JBL. It's fine. Um, <laughs> It's fine. Um, so Yeah, so uh, all like that kind of shit was going on. Yeah. They were still trying to kill Eric Bischoff. Would fucking piss on ECW's ashes any moment he got a chance to, just to fuck him over. Um, so, so Taz Taz went back as a favor. Yeah, Vince made him do it. Yeah, that's the only reason he was on. And then what happened? Taz showed up on WWE television with the ECW title and lost a Triple H in eight minutes. Yeah, which how does that make ECW look? So exactly. Him gets an offer. Jerry Lawler gets fired. He liked his wife at the time. Um, we need a color guy analyst. Yeah. Heyman's available. There's been an ECW show in two months. Wow. Literally none of the guys know anything. Heyman just walks on the raw as the color analyst. And everyone's like, well, I guess, I guess we're ECW's done. done. 
Well, was, already Credible was already there. Rhino was already there. Spike was already there. The roster Lynn was, was about to come over. Like it was. What was done. what was the last ECW show like? The last televised one was Guilty as Charged 2001. Yeah. January pay per view. Apparently, they did like two house shows. Dreamer was running all the shows for the last like six months. Wow. Heyman like wasn't even showing up because wow. he was out trying to get a new TV yeah. deal or whatever. Um, but they were they were well attended. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Like, it was just if Heyman was just the booker, and they had like good um like a good money manager. Like if they had a Jeff Jarrett, like that would have been sure. fine. Um. <laughs> oh, all right. So, so they get sold. Uh, I don't feel like we need to talk about the invasion. Uh, uh we, we can. I don't feel like we need to talk. Like WWE, CW. We do not need to talk about. No. It. Well, that's the thing. Is like watch uh the the first one night only um and then you want no but you can watch both one night watch stands. both what what one night stands because the second one even though it was gonna bleed in on wwe cw it still had its moments yeah like, it still had like its heart any show in the hammerstein ballroom is just fucking magic gold. yeah but the first ecw one night stand is like maybe like the best wrestling pay-per-view of all time so wwe cw like just doomed from the start yeah, because Heyman didn't fucking have it in him, and he had to be under Vince. Yeah. So. They were in arenas. They did enough to, like, make it different. And here's the sick thing. Like, all right, so they made Big Show ECW champion because RVD got pulled over shirtless. Yeah. Fucking high as a kite. But Big Show fucking killed it. Yeah. Watch Big Show throw Ric Flair around thumbtacks. It's delightful. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Ric Flair looks like he's having a blast. <laughs> He's like, this is easier. Well, as long than, as everyone's having a good time. This is easier than wives. This is fun. Um, the problem became when Vince was like, okay, we need to make this like a fucking brand that I care about. Yeah. And wanted to be Lashley. And he didn't want to fucking punk. And that fucking whole December Dismember show just fucking blew it all up. Yeah. Heyman was tired. And it was over. And then this became, here's the sad thing. All right, so everyone like shits on WWE CW a lot. For what was around almost four years, I think, yeah. as the third brand. Yeah. What did we get from that? We got CM Punk. We got Kofi Kingston. We got Jack Swagger. Sheamus? We got Sheamus. We got Ezekiel Jackson for a couple years. Um, We got fucking... We got like a decent little Chavo Guerrero fucking yeah. run. We got Mark Henry's first world title run before mm. he got the Hall of Pain. We got the big First, show fucking yeah. killing people. We got like the new talent initiative, which guy gave a guy like Trent Beretta a chance. Yeah. Yoshitatsu a fucking chance. Uh things like I don't have a dick in my mouth, but well, you know, he gave him a chance. Um I almost said Greg Kali. They gave Greg Kali a chance. Like he wasn't gonna give him a fucking chance. <laughs> um Elijah Burke, like 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 yeah. they did it was a NXT that didn't have a Triple H to take care of it. Yeah. But things came of it. Sure. It wasn't ECW. No. The most ECW thing about WWE CW was Hardcore Holly getting a little fucking boo-boo five weeks in. And he would have gotten that anyway. Fucking because yeah. he's probably bad at construction around his house. <laughs> um, And yeah, it fucking died, it died with a fucking whimper. It died with Ezekiel Jackson beating Christian. Yeah. And then TNA continued to try to bring it back. Well, I want to try. Yeah. Uh, 
EV2. EV2, that was very bad. Um, and now you have... So Cajones. It's, so it's Legacy still does live on. I mean, we didn't even talk about Balls Mahoney or Axel Rotten or anything like that. We don't need to. But it's Legacy still does sort of live on in things like House of Hardcore. And I remember many years ago when we first had Cole Cabana on the podcast, the one time, uh, you kind of brought up because it was a time where ROH was... Uh, at that time, around just as long as ECW yeah, was. Like, yeah. Um, and ROH is another brand that has dealt with a lot of the same type of problems as far as like getting poached and shit like that. Um, where do you think, like, how do you think, just to kind of put a bow on everything, mm-hmm. how do you think that uh, the, the industry sort of like. Remembers lear- ECW? Well, not, not even just remembers it, but like has like learned and sort of adapted from what ecw was because it was an incredibly unique thing it's totally different now modernly because everyone has a platform to self-sustain themselves like if the, if roh was around in the business right. model of back in the day they wouldn't last half the time as ecw because they weren't as different enough but but you also still have the idea of of, of having to like constantly replenish yourself of course you know I think what ECW showed was you have to A, be different enough, and B, have that presence. Yeah. Like, you have to, like, ROH in the early days didn't have Gabe fucking Sapolsky. Yeah. He wouldn't have fucking lasted two years. Yeah. But he had he had a vision, and he had a plan, and, like, he didn't care what it took. He was going to fucking do it. And we're recording Tell this me. on WrestleMania weekend. Like, would we even have all the, the, the variety of shows to choose from? If ECW wasn't a thing. They did a really interesting piece. I want to say like maybe five or six years ago. That was like an oral history of if ECW stayed around. Yeah. And they really went to Heyman and was like, had you gotten television, what would have happened? And he actually, ad nauseum, because Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman can talk like water can be fucking tasteless. Yeah. About like how USA had a deal in place. And he was going to do all this shit. Sure, 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 sure. But like they went over like what he was, he was like, I knew Loki. I would have fucking signed Loki. Yeah. Eventually, I would have found Punk and Cabana. We would have had Punk and Cabana. Yeah. Christopher Daniels was already set to start on our next show. And, like, you start putting those pieces together, and it's like, fuck. Yeah. That's it. That's the next gen. I think it literally would have been, like, what we're looking at now. You have WWE as a monopoly, and you have New Japan as, like, the closest thing. Yeah. Impact doesn't fucking matter. So, basically, it wouldn't be as fractured as it is now. I still think they were like they would have never competed as much just because Heyman had like that fucking respect and also fucking paid. Yeah. I don't know if he would have kept getting paid, but it would have been the place for guys to get ready, but in so much more of a fun, unique way. Would have been. It would have basically been, had NXT for all this time. It would have been an incredible feeder system. Yeah. Um, and New Jack just still cutting the dude's throats. Well, on that note. Because here's the thing, like, throughout all this, you still have New Jack there, just jumping off balconies, stapling dollar bills to people's heads. <laughs> Fucking. We talked about the acclaimed video game. So, of course, ECW use actual songs for entrances. Like, fucking Shane Douglas used to come out to fucking smoke on the water. Yeah. And, you know, Kid Cash came out to bot with the bodge because he looks like Kid Rock. And he was a big Shield fan. Um,. New Jack came out the Natural Born Killers, Killers, but it played throughout the, the whole entire match. match. So watch a network New Jack match and imagine how many fucking aneurysms 
Kerwin Silfas, the guy in the fucking truck, has like editing these matches. But for the game, they couldn't do that shit unless they had like unless they could find somebody to do a fucking walk cover for sure. Pantera for RVD. So instead, they hired George Clinton to do a New Jack song. And like I've used it on the podcast, I've used it on the podcast before when Augie just is scared of New Jack. But it's the most un-New Jack thing ever. It's like like some weird like psychedelic intro. And like the song is a George Clinton, like New Jack coming across the fucking world. New Jack, here he is to save the girl. New Jack. And it's like, this guy has seven marks on his arms for homicides that were justified. Yeah. Why are you getting George Clinton? P Funk, baby. <laughs> Nothing says P Funk like New Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, fucking. There'll never be anything like it. Nor the sh- like CZW. I feel like it's tried forever. Yeah, well, I mean the the idea of hardcore is antiquated, um, and it it's is. just it's not a thing. Uh, we do have to <laughs> wrap up, um, yeah. but honestly, this guy Augie's still not here. Augie's still not here. This is something we could obviously talk about uh, and has been talked about yeah, ad nauseum um, for as long as podcasts have been a thing and as long as documentaries have been a thing. Um, but damn, dude. Uh, I think uh, you crush this one. Um, yeah. Do we even say like what we did to get prepared for this? You and I did a 40 man, no mercy rumble drinking game and playing on N64 playing it. Yeah. And doing it, it was an experience that we'll talk about at a later time. Yeah. No, we, I just want to yeah. say how insane that was. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, for regaling us with the history of ECW. Thank you very much for Spencer. Uh, choosing, uh, I learned uh, so much. <laughs> I'll redo this whole thing for you tomorrow for the half you missed. <laughs> I, missed I missed like maybe twenty minutes. Okay. Uh, did, you talk, uh, did you hear me talk about New Jack and George Clinton? Oh, I, oh yeah, I caught that. Okay, good, good. That's the important thing. I'm only gonna play that and that song along as we go to evolve tomorrow. <laughs> I'll download it before I go to sleep. So, uh, yeah, and thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Um. Be sure to listen, rate, review, subscribe uh, on iTunes, Google Play Music. And, of course, you can always find us on ArcadeAudio.net. Uh, we can find us in every other Arcade Audio show uh, on the network. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, shoot us an email, podswoggle at gmail.com. And can, can I add, uh-huh. uh, if you like this, and if you didn't, that's what exactly where I was you? going. Uh, you're going to be able to hear all the rest of these that I've ever done on our Patreon site, patreon.com slash arcade audio for five bucks every single month, uh, subscribe or, or become a patron and you get bonus content. The bonus content will be our archive. You want to hear me talk about Brian Pillman NWO? I feel like, like it's a CD you can buy off a of television and it's yeah. just scrolling through and like you would hear like shitty lines I've said in the past. Like, tapioca and come, the Bret Hart story. It's like, Buzz Ballads. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so here's, uh, uh, and they get released once a month. Yep. Uh, and it will be either a drunk history or a rumble and bumble and stumble. Yep. Uh, and topics covered in the past. Brian Pillman, NWO, Vito, Kayantai, Braden Walker, DX, Ric Flair, JR, Chris Benoit, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Edge, Dusty, and now ECW. My favorites, the Hulk Hogan one. 
Uh, oh, I gotta put. Did I put Andre the Giant on there? Oh no, you didn't. I gotta that's put a live Andre one, on there. Yeah. yeah, that's a live one. Thunder in Paradise shows about Hulk Hogan in a boat. So that's all I got. <laughs> I almost fell asleep. Three <laughs> thirty, Augie. You've sped your entire life. You have done fifty years of life in thirty-three years. Why the fuck are you not here, you Cuban son of a bitch? For Mullet, for Spencer, this is Rich. We are swogging off. Oh, I could go back and talk about like fucking. Who did I miss? Fucking. Uh, I don't think you missed anybody. You at least mentioned everybody. Did I? Did I? I think. Yeah. You you went pretty in deep. Chris Candido. Did I talk about Chris yes, Candido? I'm pretty sure you mentioned Chris Candido. Yeah, if I didn't, then he's just a sad guy. He's sad. His wife had sex with everybody. It's just sad. It's so sad. Yeah. I'm trying to think if it's anybody else I could talk to. Talk to. Talk about. <laughs> while we wait for Augie to fucking show the fuck up. James Lipton over here. Can I talk to Chris Candino? <laughs> New All right. Jack. What was what's New Jack favorite's favorite curse word? Murder. <laughs> the mutterings as he murders somebody. Come on, get tough on the street, get tough with the gang. Watch your back, it's a hardcore thing in the ghetto. There's no surprise. When a man dies and nobody cries In the underground you better look around And use your eyes In the ghetto Let's go In the ghetto Thank you for playing Arcade Audio Play more at ArcadeAudio.net